Tuesday night. It's nine o'clock here in the central time zone, at least, which means it is time for the uh, get off my lawn podcast. Uh, I will be your host tonight. As always, my name is John. You can call me Sandhills or Sandy. You guys can call me. Oh, hold on. I've got myself going in my ear. There we go. That always happens when I've got too many windows open. All right. Never mind me. I just got distracted by myself. Um, you can call me anything you want to. As long as you don't call me late to supper, we're going to get along just fine. And we're adding people in as we go. Um, I am getting a little bit of feedback. So I'm just going to um, mute Amy and Dave there for now. You guys can unmute when the time comes. Uh, but we will uh, just put you on there for now. Um, all right. So uh, real quick, I just got a couple things I want to go through. And then uh, we're just going to jump right into our guests and uh, get this thing started. So um, the first thing I wanted to say is that uh, I think it's okay to announce this. It's be it's the, the news is almost out anyway. For those of you who are joining us uh, within the state of Nebraska, the uh, Nebraska Firearms Owners Association is uh, um, coming up on new board of directors members. And there are, I think, 17 people running right now for a spot on the board. I think uh, six places. I think they've got six different positions on their board. And so I have thrown my hat into the ring. I am running for NFOA board of directors. Uh, so I would sure appreciate the support if you are in Nebraska and you're not yet a member of Nebraska Firearms Owners Association, you need to go join that and become a member in good standing. I don't know actually what the rules are as far as how soon you can vote for board of directors after you join. But if you are a Nebraska resident, you do have the power to vote for board of directors. So go to NFOA.org and uh, I think that's what it that NebraskaFirearms.org is uh, and check that out. and. Uh, vote. And if you're not in Nebraska and you want to be a member, you can still be a uh, a member of NFOA. You just don't get to vote for the board. And there's a special um, online forum that is uh, off limits to you, but the, the regular forums are there. You can actually buy, sell, trade, talk about whatever um, aspect of gun ownership you want to um, on those forums. And of course, since it is not hosted by any social media platform, uh, you don't get kicked off for showing off a gun or trying to sell one. So that's really cool too. Um, all right. So that being said, one other thing, I just want to call attention to the patch that I am wearing on my hat. It says every second matters. Tomorrow is the second of the month. And that is the day that we set aside to promote second amendment awareness. And so we have called that every second matters. There is uh, just a grassroots movement. Um, some of you may be aware of that. Some of you may not have ever heard of every second matters, but it's it's, a, it's an image that's not owned by anybody, so uh, it is open sourced. You can sure grab a hold of it, do whatever you need to with it. Um, if you live in an area where you can open carry legally, then we try to promote um, open carry on the second day of every month for every second matters day, just to get the, uh, the discussion going that, you know, some people in your state may not know that that's even an option that you can legally open carry. And so we do that um, in the states that it's legal. And uh, if it's not, or um, if you have a job like I do, that typically I'm at work on the second and I can't open carry at work. Um, I don't know if I can conceal carry or not. Nobody's ever said not to. I didn't ask. I didn't tell. Um, and I admit nothing. Anyway, um, there are shirts, there are hats, there are patches, things like that, um, that we try to 
where on the second day of, of the month, if we uh, can't open carry and uh, maybe somebody will just ask you what that's all about and you get a chance to, to tell them what, uh, what it means to be a gun owner in America and what it means to be, uh, as Charlie Cook would say, a law-abiding background check passing citizen. Um, but it's a chance to show the whole world that uh, despite what you see on the news, gun owners aren't bad people. We're not, uh, you know, living in a bunker somewhere just waiting to uh, overthrow the government. We don't all wear tinfoil hats, although mine is fancy. Mine has a chin strap. I just wanted to add that. And so um, that's what Every Second Matters is all about. And uh, there is a Facebook group. Um, I think there's more than one, but I did start one here a while back. So you can go to facebook.com slash Shooter and uh, access the Every Second Matters group from there and join that if you want to. So uh, please feel free to do that. And while you get to my page, if you haven't yet hit like on that one, please do so. Speaking of which, uh, also, if you've not yet subscribed to us here on YouTube, then uh, please subscribe. Please hit that thumbs up button on both YouTube and Facebook. Um, share the heck out of the link to get here. There might be somebody else that wants to watch this, whether it's live or, or after the fact. Most importantly, if you're watching this live, this is way better than TV. It's way better than traditional radio because you get to talk to us and we can see it. So uh, if you're on a computer, it's usually to the side. If you're on a phone, it's usually down below. There is a live chat option on YouTube. And uh, you can make those comments right on the Facebook page as well as you're watching this video. And uh, we can see those in real time as well. So uh, we want to know what you have to say. And you get to talk to us. We get to talk back to you. Uh, it's, it's so much better than watching a TV show. Um, and that's one of the, one of the best benefits of being able to do these live, uh, podcast or, or live stream, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I just wanted to call that out. Um, we do have a pretty lively, uh, live chat going already. So over there in the uh, YouTube side, who all do we have? Let me just scroll my mouse here. We've got Sandhill sweetheart, of course, holding it down in the chat. She is, uh, where she typically is on Tuesday nights, right over there in the producer's chair. You don't get to see her because she doesn't like to be on the camera, um, which is weird because of the two of us. She's the one that's actually worth looking at, but she doesn't want to be on the camera and she doesn't even want a microphone. She likes to just hold it down and, and type things out. So uh, we always say she does the typing and I do the talking uh, because of the two of us. I've got the big mouth. Um, so we've got Nighthawk Medic out there and he is in here with us as well. We've got Kingpin. We've got who else do we have? Patriot in the dark. I see you. Um, Iron Horseman is out there. Southpaw RX, who is my newest Patreon patron. Thank you very much for that, Southpaw. Um, let's see, who else do I have? Um, Justin Gibbons is out there. G23, Blitz is in the house. Tim Foley, poor conservative. And I know there's more. James Allen is out there. We've got a lot of people jumping in. So if you're not commenting, we don't get to see you and we don't get to say hi at the end of the night. So, uh, um, is it C-A-L or Cal? Uh, I do read those. So hello. Um, Pat Hirsch is in the house. Tony is out there. I see you out there. Simon says train. Um, all right. So anyway, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking before we get rolling. We're just going to jump in here and uh, talk to our guests. And I was thinking earlier this week, um, this may take a long time if I've got a big panel and I'm going to let everybody go through and introduce themselves and then go back around the horn and let them talk about the different ways that they advocate uh, advocate for the Second Amendment. So instead of doing two trips around, we're going to make one trip around and then see how much time we have for, for more discussion. 
So as I call on you, um, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and, um, you know, who you are, what you do, and then just kind of jump into the different things that, um, that you do to, to be a, a second amendment advocate. And I'm going to throw activist in there as well. If you were on, uh, Cheryl Todd's Facebook, uh, live stream earlier tonight, um, she mentioned this and I've heard her say it before. She even mentioned it to me the, the day that I was lucky enough to be interviewed by her on, uh, on gun freedom radio, but she thinks that there's a difference between advocate and activist. And in her mind, advocate is, is kind of like, you know, a good thing where you're, you're promoting something you love and activist is where, uh, maybe you're fighting against something that you hate. And, and in her mind, that kind of has a negative connotation, but I would just, I just want to throw out a different perspective in my mind. Um, advocating for something means that you're for it and you're not afraid to let the world know that you support such a thing. Activism seems to me in my mind, like that's just another step where, you know, you might support the second amendment, but you you've never marched in a, a parade or, or been to a rally or um, picked up the phone and, and, you know, called your Congressman, your governor, anybody like that. And activist to me means that you have just become active. You have actually taken the step from saying, hey, I support this to, hey, I want to help support this. I want to help do something. And I don't want to only be just complaining about things. I want to actually be active in the process of making the making the changes, making things better. So um, with that thought in mind, I want everybody to be able to talk about not only their their ways that they advocate for the second amendment, but ways that they are also active in, uh, in promotion. And that can be a lot of different things. The reason we're having this, uh, this entire topic tonight, the way that this came up was actually a post that I had seen on Facebook that, that Tony had posted up. Um, and, uh, I loved what you said and I should have pulled it up, Tony. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to read it word for word, but I'm just going to paraphrase and, and hopefully I can do you some justice here. But, uh, basically the post that Tony had said, was that, um, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are saying, hey, you new gun owners, you need to know how to vote and you need to do this and you need to do that. And Tony said he was waiting for the uh, the veteran gun owners, the 100 million plus people that are already uh, gun owners in this country to get off their butt and actually pick up the phone and call their congressman or send an email or just do something simple or go to a rally or whatever it is. And then, so I shared that post. And I got a comment on there on my Facebook page, and it basically said, we can't all do all that stuff. We have jobs. Um, you know, we don't all have money to go across the country to a rally. Uh, we don't have George Soros paying our way. You know, I'm not sure exactly what he said, but the the gist of it was that, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can't get done when you have a full-time job, which I may be a little combative. I may be a little argumentative in my old age, but I'm thinking there is so much you can do when you have a full-time job, I have a full-time job. I have a part-time job, um, side hustle, small business, whatever you want to call it. And I do a weekly podcast on Tuesday nights where I run my mouth all over the internet, plus all the posts that I make every day on my Facebook page. And so, um, there are things that can be done. And the reason that I have such a, uh, awesome panel tonight of, of even a, a lot of faces that we've never seen before here um, as guests is because everybody has something that they're good at that, th that they can do. And I just wanted kind of a, kind of a wide variety of um, people to just come in here and, and be able to, to talk about the things that, that they do. 
And then um, as far as things that anybody can do, Tony, I'm going to let you um, just finish everything up and we'll come to you last. And uh, you can kind of talk about some of the things that you were alluding to in that original Facebook post. So um, I will uh, give you some time to get those thoughts in order too. But uh, um, so uh, we're going to let the uh, ladies go first, uh, gentlemen. So um, we're going to pick on a friend who has been on our podcast before. And we'll just let Stephanie start off. And before you, uh, I let you go, Stephanie, I just want to say happy birthday. I know I'm uh, a week or two late, but happy birthday to you. And I know how old you are because I can do some quick mental arithmetic. I know that next year you'll be 29. So happy birthday to you. And you're muted. I don't know if you're trying to talk to me, Stephanie, but I can't hear you because you're muted. There you are. So go ahead. Thanks, just John. Tell yeah, yeah, tell everybody who, who you are, what you do, and then um, the things that, that you have been um, doing as far as advocacy and activism, if if both apply. Sure. Okay. So I'm Stephanie Schaefer. I'm from Gearing, Nebraska. Um, and this topic, as I, I saw you making posts about it, kind of spoke to me because I am one of those average Americans who works Monday through Friday from eight to five has a job and still finds time to do the advocacy. So I got involved with the DC project on a national level about three years ago and started making trips to Washington DC to speak with our legislators. And uh, within the last year have come on board with the, the state, um, groups and I'm the state director for Nebraska and we've really been working on developing some of those um, different ways to be involved. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it as the night goes on but the DC project's really been working on putting things together that everyday average Americans can use like two-way talking points and different things like that so um you know, like I said, I, th I think we'll hit on that in a little bit, but I'm just one of those everyday people who feels like it's important um, to speak about the Second Amendment and why it's important to me. Absolutely. W would you um, just kind of give us a little bit of an insight into how you got started doing that um, and then how things have kind of snowballed since then? Because I know that they're picking up speed every day. Yeah, so um, I actually have really only been shooting uh, actively for five or six years now. I started teaching firearms classes about five years ago. And once I got involved with that, I got involved with A Girl and a Gun. And I'm the facilitator for our local chapter of A Girl and a Gun. Probably two years into doing that, I saw a post that was up on one of the A Girl and a Gun pages about DC Project looking for somebody in Nebraska and did a little bit of research into what that would entail. And my background's in legal. And so uh, we're saying, hey, let's let's go talk to our legislators. Let's talk about um, some different things that are out there and supporting the Second Amendment and really developing those relationships with our legislators so that they know to come to us when they've got questions. Um, that's how I got involved. I, I 
made a call then or Robin Sandoval from a girl and a gun hooked me up with die. And uh, we had a phone call with each other and talked about that. And I went on that trip and for the first year and I, I just kind of fell in love with it. I really enjoyed meeting the other women and learning from them and hearing their experiences and hearing the stories uh, from some of the women, you know, women who've been raped or who've seen people murdered in front of them, um, who've used their guns to defend themselves, hearing those stories. It's so powerful to hear that and realize uh, it's not just about me, that there are so many reasons out there to be advocating for those rights. And um, yeah, it has just all kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had something that I was going to say too, and I'm, I'm sorry, I completely just lost it. Yeah. Give me the host of the year award guys. I'm, this is live live broadcasting. That's how it works. Sometimes we don't get, uh, we don't get to do overs. Um, as far as um, just advocacy itself, I know you haven't been in the shooting sports world for, for super long now, but um, have yeah. you always been pro-gun or were you ever anti-gun or were you gun neutral at some point? Like, how did that come about where you went from zero to, um, you know, three gun <laughs> competitions, things like that? Um, what... Uh, were you were you ever were you ever an anti-gunner or did you ever have a you know, at least gun apathetic at some point in your life or have you always been okay with guns? Um, I wouldn't classify. So I never was an anti. Uh, I just didn't really have a lot of involvement until I met my boyfriend and he is former law enforcement and so there were guns in the home um, and as I was around those, he felt like it was important for me to be educated and have some knowledge of how to use those. That's how I actually got my start. Um, and we started a um, investigations and security company and we did armed security. And so it was important for us to train and develop some of those things. Um, and the competitive shooting just kind of fell in line with that. You know, he and another buddy of his signed up to go to a three gun competition, uh, but they didn't register me. And I didn't really like that very much. So I registered myself and told them I was going with them. So, I mean, that's where the three gun stuff came from. It didn't really come from anything other than I wasn't going to be left out. Um, so, I don't even know that I would say it was just neutral. I just never was around guns um, until I met him and he took me to the range and started shooting. Uh, but once I did start teaching and got involved with a girl and a gun, teaching women is one of the best things for me to do. It, it's so rewarding to see women come to classes and learn and develop that confidence in themselves and receive that education. And that really, I think for me, goes into that advocacy too. Um, when somebody mm -hmm. can just learn about things and just have a conversation with things about knowledge and facts instead of based on fear and lack of knowledge, I think is a big part of advocacy too. 
So let me ask you one question here. Let me try and frame this diplomatically. And I know I'm still going to put my foot in my mouth. That's just what I do here. Um, but um, I, uh, and, and anybody that wants to be out there and, and troll this, that wants to call me misogynist or whatever, but, but Steph, would you say <laughs> that um, typically, and, and I think the, the numbers would support this demographically, but would you say that typically, um, more often than not that that females maybe they're not necessarily pro-gun because they haven't been around guns it's kind of typically a man's world and of course the things that we aren't around we don't understand and we always fear the things that we don't understand right so would you say that there is kind of a a little more fear coming from the female side than there is from the male side when it comes to new shooters and hesitancy to kind of get into that world until until something happens to um kind of spur them into it have you seen anything like that um i don't know that i would say that um okay. i say as i see people coming to classes it's the women who are coming to classes it's the women who are wanting the knowledge um and females are the rising demographic um for second amendment supporters um it's women out there buying guns and and pushing um driving that movement right now so i don't know that i necessarily would say that okay well then that's actually perfect that's great and i'm i'm happy to hear that actually um all right so <laughs> we're going to um we're gonna move along here and you had mentioned earlier um that you had been part of the DC project and now you represent our state uh, for the DC project. So uh, we actually happen to have mm -hmm. the, uh, the lady that started it all with us. So we're going to move over to Diana and uh, Diana Muller began the DC project. And um, there's no sense in me telling you anything about it when I've got her here to do so. So Diana, um, who are you? What do you do? And then um, would you start off um, after that with just telling us what the DC project is and how that began? Well, thanks for having me. My name is Diana Muller. I'm a retired police officer, 22 years with the Tulsa Police Department. Yes, I know sticks. <laughs> and everybody asks me when they find out I'm from Tulsa. Um, but I retired in 2014 really to pursue a career in uh, as a professional shooter. Not a whole lot of people get to do that. But for the past, probably the last uh, handful of years, I was juggling, you know, I was putting in enough time as a professional shooter that it would qualify as a full-time job. So I was juggling both of those. I finally made the decision to retire in 2014. And it was about that time, 2015, is when I found myself uh, – my husband and I and the Michelics were on the East Coast near D.C. for bookend weekends for a match. And I said somebody, you know, let's go to D.C. And a friend of mine said, do you want to meet your congressman? She works on the Hill. And I was like, I guess that's what you do when you go to Washington, D.C. So we met with a congressman out of here, out of Oklahoma. And it was during that conversation, I was like, hey, are we supposed to, as professional shooters, do something to educate these people that are really making uh, some really horrendous decisions uh, that affect our entire country? And it started from there. And then I realized that women, well, first of all, I realized that I could only talk to Oklahoma. I only have standing in Oklahoma. 
and then I started thinking that women can really break that demographic. You're not being misogynistic. You know, guns have been um, a, a boy's space and men's space. I think women uh, kind of get left behind to take care of the kids. And uh, now it's becoming where the shooting sports is, you know, welcomes everybody. You don't have to sit on the sidelines at a, at a soccer game and for three hours with all the other families why one kid gets to play. The shooting sports allows you to do that. And women are becoming more comfortable with coming out into our space. So yeah, we started that and uh, started talking to women all over the country. And I thought it was going to be professional shooters because we're easy to vet. And if somebody wants to take our word for, uh, you know, firearm safety, that it's easy to do, but God had a big plan for it. And now I know all these wonderful women that I had no idea. And the diversity really reflects the uh, diversity that's within the second amendment. So, um, God did, I give this all to God because he, he put together a great team for me. Uh, Stephanie in Nebraska, Laura is here. She's from New York and Amy, she's still repping South Carolina for us. Uh, but we've got some amazing women. Absolutely. And anybody that wants to be involved with DC project can be involved with it now, right? You don't have to necessarily be a state rep because what's happening now within the States. Right. So the first several years, this was truly grassroots and I couldn't manage. I mean, I did have other things to do and I couldn't manage everybody that wanted to participate. So if I had somebody that was going to DC with me to represent your state, you were just kind of on the back burner. But this year we actually ask all those girls that have been going with us to DC all these years to go back to the state level. You know, we saw what happened in Virginia. Uh, go back to your state level and, and be me in your state. Put together a team of girls to go see your state legislator and uh, talk to them and educate them and uh, really help preserve our Second Amendment. So, yeah, uh, and if, if anybody's looking, everybody's watching tonight, check out dcproject.info. Uh, if you go there, you'll see an act now, and it takes you to three different things that you can really do. You can participate or join, uh, you can donate, or you can kind of subscribe to keep up with what we're doing. All right, awesome. Let me send that out so that I can put that right up on the screen now. So, well, yeah, I, go to. Can I mention something else? Absolutely. Kind of, kind of along the same line. So, my husband, for, for years, I've been, you know, in this professional space of um, ambassadorship and stuff like that. So uh, I've always wanted to do better. I've always wanted to do better on TV. If I were, uh, you know, guest hosting with Michael Bain and I'd say, Michael, I, I suck. Can you tell me, you know, can, is there somewhere I can go to, you know, learn how to do this TV stuff? And he's like, Oh no, you're great. And I was like, no, really, I see the program. I sucked. So help me. And I could never find a place that would, that, that did that. So my husband and I, we started what's called the Ambassador Academy. And really I've kind of between that space of ambassadors and how to be a great ambassador and how to speak uh, about products and things like that. We also mix in a lot of second amendment talk and how to, you know, those talking points and how to handle hostile communications. Because honestly, in today's climate, you can't be a gun owner and not be, you know, you're going to be so much more effective 
at speaking your your points if you're practiced and you have an idea of how to counter some of the things that are obviously going to come your way so we do that once a year um it's called the ambassador academy and you can check it out at pro3gunner.com uh for now it's just a, a page on our website that it's sounds five, really cool it's a five-day class it really is it's a uh, uh dave dave you went to the first one right Yeah, 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 and uh, we also, yeah. we also do a, uh, a now we now we do a full day of situational awareness, flashlight work, concealed carry, you know, figuring out how to move through transitional spaces in life without uh, being a little bit more safe. So it's it's a, at a rock star five star facility. Uh, that is actually going live to the public. It's been private for so long, and now he's going to open it up. It's called uh, WOFT, F-O-W, or W-O-F-T. Maybe I'm dyslexic after eight o'clock. It's okay. Uh, W-O-F-T uh, on Instagram for right now. I don't think the website's live, but you can kind of uh, follow what he does. We call it Tactical Disneyland. That sounds awesome. Now, what was that website that you had mentioned earlier, Pro3Gunner? Pro, pro the number three gunner.com. Okay, I'll post that up too so that we don't lose that one. Thank you. That look right? Yep. Awesome. All right. The uh, learning how to do this better sounds like something that I definitely need to look into as well. Um, one we thing I always, oh, go ahead. Better. We can all do better. Exactly. And I always tell people, you know, you, you get the, uh, you get the bad with the good when we do this live. Um, it keeps everybody honest this way, but uh, it's 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 just so awesome being able to be out here and and uh, interact in the in the live chat with people and make comments and throw jabs at people back and forth. So that's one of the best parts of of uh, doing this live. So all right, Diana, thank you so much for being here. I know that uh, everybody here on our panel is uh, super busy, so I appreciate um, not only everything that that all of our panelists do, but the fact that you don't know me and you've never met me before. And up until a few days ago, I don't think you'd ever heard of me. So um, I'm I just feel super blessed and grateful that uh, there are so many people who are willing to uh, jump onto a podcast that they don't know. It's not big. And, uh, and just talk about, you know, the things that, that they love to do. Um, and that's what it comes down to. We all have a love for, for our country, our second amendment, um, and the, uh, the firearms that, uh, that the second amendment says can't be taken away. So thanks for everything, Diana. And we will move along here. Um, we're going to jump over to Laura next. And Laura is another person who doesn't, uh, doesn't know me. We've never met each other, but she was awesome enough to, uh, agree to come and, and, uh, join the podcast as well. So Laura, um, again, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, just let everybody know who you are, what you do, and then, um, kind of how your journey has gone into the, the advocacy and the, and any activism that you're doing. Uh, I can do that. How are you, John? It's nice to meet you in person, sort of <laughs> virtually in person. Likewise. <laughs> um, so I'm the consummate, uh, friendly, former, uh, anti-gun liberal mom from, you know, hockey mom, sort of. Did you used to be one of those ladies with the red t-shirts? No, 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 no. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, I, it's I, so I, much cooler I, though. If we had one of those that converted. 
Oh, I, I may have been if those existed back then when my kids were little. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, fair yeah, enough. I was definitely raised in a very um, gun fearing um, environment and working in the industry doing marketing and public relations um, about 13 years ago. And when I first started to work there, I didn't even know the difference between a rifle or a pistol or a revolver or a muzzle or a trigger or a barrel. I didn't know what any of that was. And so it scared the hell out of me. Um, but because I was working in the marketing realm, I just dove right into trying to learn as much as I could about the industry and about the media, because that was really, you know, who I needed to connect with on behalf of my employer. And uh, I found that the people were so welcoming and genuine and um, just had this kind of uh, atmosphere or just, um, authenticity to them and how they raise their children and how they interact with each other and just how they have, you know, heritage and, and the things that they share with their families. And I, I just, it really, it really turned me on. So really honestly was the folks, the people before it was guns. And then, uh, when I started to learn how to shoot, um, I just really was attracted to that. <laughs> In a, in a big way. Um, so it, it sort of has grown into, you know, my love of the industry and the people that are part of the industry um, to really getting to know people from all over the world um, who are part of the industry and to even learn how things that, that we take for granted in our country as far as the Second Amendment is concerned are, are completely foreign to them. Uh, they envy us for our rights. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm thankful to the industry for bringing me along and not judging me and making me feel like a fool because I, I didn't know, you know, the butt end of a gun <laughs> from the firing end of a gun. Um, I do now, um, but I'm learning every day. And that's one of the other things that I really love about it is there's always something else to learn. There's always someone else to meet. Um, and so many of the stories from people that I've met and even particularly with the women of the DC project are beyond inspiring. Um, and so I, I, the first trip that I took with the DC project to Washington, DC, I thought before I went there and I have traveled to Washington a number of times in my life, um, as a child and young, young adult, and even a, you know, a grown woman, mother, um, I had never visited uh, any legislators in their offices. It never even occurred to me to do that. So first time that I drove down to Washington and had my meeting set up, I thought, you know, I'm going to come home from this trip being inspired by all these really interesting and powerful people that I will have met and sat down with and talked to in their offices eye to eye. Um, and that wasn't my feeling at all. Uh, when I came home from that trip, I was so not impressed with them, <laughs> uh, not in a negative way, but I was just so much more impressed with the ladies that I met, Many, most of whom I had never met before in my life, um, had never even really talked to, but we spent three days together visiting um, 
these different offices of Congress people and senators and sitting down with them and sharing our stories. And after doing that with a group of women for, you know, two and a half, three days, you really get to know each other and you really kind of learn what it is about the Second Amendment that makes them tick and how powerful their stories are. Uh, and, and I think that's what makes what the DC project does so interesting and different from, you know, what you would see in the other kinds of folks who are visiting offices on Capitol Hill who, who go in all fired up and, you know, banging drums or cornering legislators on elevators with cell phones in their face. Uh, we don't do that. We, we behave very professionally and, um, we're calm and, and our purpose is to educate them, to build a relationship, um, and to build a long-term relationship. You know, we leave an office after talking with a legislator and say to them, you know, expect to see us next year and please reach out to us in the meantime, if there's something that we can help you with in terms of a question regarding legislation or a real world story about how some either existing or pending legislation can have an unintended consequence um, to, you know, a real American and an, an American woman. Um, so it's just, it's for me been a really powerful experience. Um, yeah, just like super awesome. That's, that's very awesome. Um, would you say, um, and it's just kind of the, the things that you had said, Laura, because I mean, you know, it's no secret you and I, you and I haven't met and I, I don't know, um, your background really, or didn't know, uh, your background. So would you say that even now, um, being part of the, the second amendment world, um, being part of, of DC project, would you say that even now you, you may not necessarily be, um, the, the quote unquote, you know, gun gal, um, or, or have you kind of become that since, since then? I think people think that I know a lot more about guns than I actually know. Mm -hmm. I know a lot more about guns than a lot of other people know. <laughs> um, I'm not like, you know, the tactical, um, you know, that that's not me, but, but I'm not going to lie. I aspire to being more mm -hmm. like that. Um, like I said, one of the things about being part of this environment of people is everyone wants to give you as much help and education mm -hmm. about anything that they can. It's almost like um, there are no stupid questions. Um, so I don't ever feel foolish for asking a question, you know, like uh, what, you know, how, is my grip bad or what am I doing wrong with my trigger control or even, you know, uh, just, just whatever. I mean, it's just, it's part of the culture of, of, I think the shooting community, uh, whether you work in the industry or not, uh, people are just very, very welcoming. I, I had an experience, um, with one of the women who were part of my team the first year I went to Washington DC with a DC project who, um, is transgender and, uh, her name is, uh, Gina and she, said that even the conservative community wasn't as welcoming to her when she was going through her transition as the shooting community was. Mm -hmm. And it made me stop and think about how just welcoming and really, like I said before, authentic people are. 
And, and I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you are all gun folks, so you get it. That's part of why you're so attracted to it. But as a marketer in the, in the firearms industry, it's kind of, we, we joke and we say it's a very incestuous place because the industry seems big, but it really isn't that big. And every person that I've known in every marketing position, whether it's marketing to a marketing coordinator, has bounced around in the industry. We won't get out. We all stay in, but we work for different companies because we, we just love it so much. We don't want to leave it. Um, and, and that's kind of, I guess, you know, how I feel about the DC project. Everybody is very, and I almost think that this, this could be a politically incorrect word, but we are inclusive and we are diverse. We're not, we're not ashamed of it. Um, one of the things that we're trying to kind of get our heads around um, is, as you can see, Diana's wearing her teal shirt and Stephanie, mm -hmm. I, and so is Amy wearing her teal shirt. Stephanie and I have the teal kind of logos around our photographs, but teal is kind of our color, but it's also a color for a lot of other um, organizations in our world that, that, you know, promote the second amendment. Mm -hmm. uh, NRA women wears teal, um, the uh, women's outdoor media association, they wear teal. But what we want to try to do is start a movement and we're calling it teal for 2A and we really want to invite, you know, every organization, whether it's female centric or not, um, to promote the Second Amendment through Teal for Two Ways. So we're kind of trying to, we haven't totally figured out all the details and, and everything that, that go along with that, but we want to, you know, like you mentioned the red shirts, we want to both counter what the message of the red shirts are and make sure that people know that those moms don't speak for us. Um, and they're red, as well as the orange shirt thing that happens. Um, so deal for two way. Keep keep your eye out for that. We'll we'll figure out a better way to, to push that along. We're we're working on that. And um, I know I I think Diana may have mentioned it, but we're really excited about our team match that we're having. That we're maybe hoping that that wedding might happen at. Um, and uh, you might want to bounce back to die quick, maybe at the end, to get a little bit more of a lowdown on that match and how exciting it really will be for anybody that chooses to participate. I actually have a few other things I want to ask Dai about as well. So we will definitely be bouncing back um, before we're done here. Um, a couple things. I'm not afraid to to say so. Um, the, the red shirts that we have been talking about, those are Moms Demand Action. And they show up at rallies. Sometimes they show up to counter protest when there's a two way rally, something like that. Um, no matter what's going on, there seems to be no shortage of people um, wearing the red moms demand action shirts. And, you know, God love them. They have the right to do that. And I think everybody on this panel and most everybody listening to my voice right now will fight tooth and nail to preserve and protect their right to their opinions and to protest and advocate for what they want to, whether we agree with it or not. But um, I just, I love the the notion that um, there are teal shirts or, or the teal is the color um, also that, that represents a movement. And I love the shirts where the, the legislate is crossed out and it's, it's overwritten with educate. I mean, that is awesome. Those are great shirts um, just because, that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, we need more education, less legislation on a lot of different things. Definitely 
things firearm yeah. related. And so. that's, that's exactly our message when we travel and we meet with congressmen and senators and even our local lawmakers is really that um, we're not here to, we don't consider ourselves lobbyists per se. Mm -hmm. We want to educate them. Mm -hmm. We want them to understand why in real world terms, the Second Amendment and having the rights to be our own first responder and to protect ourselves. You know, we say gun rights are women's rights, but really our, our overarching message is education, not more legislation. Um, and so that, that's been really, it's been really important and it's been effective. Um, like I said, we do it in a calm and professional way and we don't go in there and scream and bang drums and <laughs> make fools of ourselves, so to speak. Which is really, really awesome. I like that. Um, <laughs> and also I just want to point out um, one of the, one of the reasons I was asking you, Laura, about whether or not you were the, you know, the, the quote unquote gun gal is because my wife, Sandhill Sweetheart um, is not a, a gun gal. She's not a gun person. Um, she she grew up not shooting guns you know in her house um before she met me her her only experience with firing uh, any gun of any kind was when her brother let her shoot his uh Taurus raging judge i think it was and i don't know what i don't know what load was in it um but she just knows that it was big it was loud she didn't really like it and she didn't touch it wasn't after fun. That. yeah it wasn't fun and it wasn't for her until after she met me um since then, there have been a few things happen, and uh, we're not going to get into it too much tonight because it's not uh, tonight's not for me to spend all the time talking. Um, but um, there have been a few things happen that she has decided that she doesn't want to be unarmed. So she went and took her concealed carry course and got her permit, and she has her own concealed carry um, firearm as well, and uh, she knows how to load it she knows how to load magazines she knows how to load the pistol she knows how to charge the pistol and how to shoot the pistol um she's got vision issues not with um blindness but with really bad astigmatism a uh, really bad double vision she can't close only one eye um but this lady at uh, 10 yards or less is going to put every shot inside a q target and anybody that tries to uh force their will upon her is going to have a very bad day uh, it's it's not going to end well for them so i'm i'm so proud of her um she is a hundred percent in support of of the second amendment uh, and an advocate and sometimes an activist although she she's better um suited in her mind to be um more the the I don't want to say the power behind the throne, but you know, she's one of the people that work behind the scenes to get everything done. Um, she doesn't, again, she doesn't want to be on the camera with me here. She doesn't want to do this kind of stuff, but I couldn't do this um, the way that we do it without her, you know, being in the live chat, everything else. She's probably never going to be a gun person. She's probably never going to care enough about uh, nomenclature to, um, you know, care that, that, the difference between a, a clip and a magazine, you know, or a cartridge or a bullet or anything like that. And the reason that I bring that up is because you don't have to be a gun nut. You don't have to know the difference between a clip and a magazine. You don't have to know the difference between a cartridge and a bullet to 
understand how vital the right to keep and bear arms really is and to be willing to um, help fight the good fight and, and preserve that um, and make sure that nobody tries to, to infringe upon that right. Exactly. So, uh, you don't ever need to even have picked up a gun to have an understanding about how important that that freedom is and that right that 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 we have is. I I commend your wife for being courageous enough to um, to take advantage of her rights and to learn and and you know like I said it's it's judgment free as it should be with among among us. Mm-hmm. as gun owners and people in this community to to welcome people and understand that there are you know fears and um, like Stephanie said just how exciting it is to watch somebody learn and become com- confident not just with a, a firearm but confident in 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 their own mind and heart mm-hmm. about being able to be self-reliant and um, not have not have to depend on someone else to protect them. Um, you know, I mean, for me, I'm still on what I would call my firearms journey. I don't feel like I'm nearly proficient enough with any firearms, um, to, to, to tell anybody how to, how to be. Um, but I will get there and I've noticed that the people I think who maybe knew me, let's say back when I was on the dark side, is that, am I allowed to say that on the side that isn't as open? You can speak freely. As long as you're not dropping F-bombs and keeping the language clean, you speak freely. We are unapologetically irreverent here. So you say what you need to say. Well, I could see both Amy and Diana smirking with the whole cuss thing because I'm known for that, but I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ban you either. If, if something <laughs> slips, I, I'd rather have you be real and be you. Uh, so, we just we just try. We'll do our best. How about that? Yeah. What I've noticed, and I'll close with this because you have some other important people to talk to. But the more that open that I am with in my own, you know, personal community about my journey with firearms, the more questions I get from women, women that I know just a, a little bit, and even women that I know very well, who are afraid but really, really eager to learn more. And it's almost like they need um, to be, you know, uh, I don't want to say handheld, but they want to learn from someone that they trust. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure that they can talk to someone that they can ask questions of that won't make them feel like an idiot. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how, just little things that I might share or post even on social media will bring to me a lot of questions from, from women who I think have been wanting to ask for a long, long time, but just haven't been able to work up the nerve. And then they finally do. And it, and it's been a really great experience. Mm -hmm. I know out there in the chat, I saw Emily L out there who, um, actually is, is one of the friends of the podcast. Now we, we gained her from, uh, a different guest that is completely not gun related, but uh, she's in, I believe, North Carolina, and um, she's asked me a lot of questions, and I, 
I'm not qualified to answer some of the questions that Emily had for me. So Emily, if you're out there still listening, um, before this is over, we will give everybody a chance to, uh, to, to let you and everyone else know how to get in touch with them. So, uh, I would definitely encourage Emily and anyone else, male or female, um, that wants to, to get in touch with any of our guests. I know that they're all gracious enough to, um, to encourage people to reach out to them. And so, um, we definitely want to, uh, we want to help grow the network, right. And, and, uh, bring everybody closer together and, and make this an even more close knit community than it, than it really is. So yes, sir. Uh, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, we will keep moving here. Um, we've got one last lady on our panel that we haven't yet spoken to, and she actually, um, brings her fiance to the chat with her. And so, and I've seen several interviews around lately that, uh, that you two have done together. So, uh, we actually get two panelists for the price of one. So how cool is that? So we've got Amy and Dave, and, uh, we're just going to let both of you, um, speak in, in, in your own words, but, um, Again, the same thing. Who are each of you? What do each of you do? And then as far as being advocates and activists for the Second Amendment, what, uh, what's what been your journey there? Yes. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for having us on, uh, first of all. We, we appreciate it. But I guess um, my story has a little bit of different layers in it, and I'm going to try to condense okay. it as much as possible because there's a lot to it. But I, I actually didn't grow up shooting guns. Um, I, I grew up being uh, learning that the United States was the best country. <laughs> and um, the, I was really like part of my um, childhood was really about patriotism. And, um, and, and I didn't really understand the reason for that until much later. But um, I'm a first generation American and my parents grew up uh, in the Philippines, actually, both of them did. Um, well, this was back in World War II era. Um, I found out that my dad, uh, when he was young, his house was taken over by the Japanese Imperial Army. And my grandmother and all my uncles, and my, of course my dad at the time, he was like seven, around seven at the time, um, they had to flee to the mountains and hide there. And they lived like that while this was going on. And when my dad eventually, um, without going into too much family history, um, he he was a became an American citizen because my grandfather, who fought for the United States, oh, wow. um, never came back from the war. And so, as soon as he turned eighteen, he uh, came to the you know enlisted in the U.S. Navy, and um, that's how my family uh, came here. You know, um, and I didn't. He he uh, really didn't teach me about guns when I was growing up, but I learned the importance of being an American. And so I want to, I want to say that, um, especially right now with the current climate and the, it all comes back, you know, full circle. But anyway, uh, my journey into the firearms community actually came a lot later in life. Um, I enlisted in the Marine Corps just because I wanted to go into the military. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps right after high school. And that was my first time uh, experience, I guess, first time experience shooting a gun and learning about firearms. Um, I shot, you know, an, M an M16 and the Beretta M9 pistol, and that was all my experience. I didn't even really understand or know about all the different firearms that were out there. But eventually, uh, during my time in the Marine Corps, 
um, I became a trainer. And so I was a combat marksmanship instructor and I was also a drill instructor. So I trained recruits coming into the military, um, teaching them basic uh, marksmanship principles and, and how to shoot in combat. And so my time in the Marine Corps ended and I honestly remember that period in my life as a very dark period because I felt completely lost. And if there's any veterans out there that are, you know, that can understand that, I'm sure we all go through the same thing where, you know, I was in the Marine Corps for almost 13 years and all of a sudden I lost my community. I didn't know what my purpose was. I had no idea what I was going to do. So I started working at a gun shop because I heard they were looking for an instructor and was eventually hired on by a firearms manufacturing company. And I was their range master and um, uh, lead instructor. And so I started teaching classes and really that introduced me to this world of civilian marksmanship, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I started learning about firearms. I started learning about uh, concealed carry. That was something that was a completely new concept to me as well. So I eventually, because I felt kind of alone and unprotected and I had just gone through a divorce at the time, um, I started carrying for my personal protection and started teaching concealed carry classes. And, um, and then to help with my skills, I started shooting three guns. So I started, I competed pretty heavily for about two to three years during that time. And that's kind of led me into the role that I'm in now. So just within the firearms industry, I've met so many different people. I've attended trade shows, um, you know, taught, taught a lot of classes. I started eventually doing content creation and, and writing for different media, uh, publications and things like that. And advocacy kind of fell into that. And I actually met Diana um, at, you know, through through the uh, industry and through Three Gun. So she called me up one day and said, uh, you know, explained to me her idea about, I didn't, we didn't know it was going to be the DC project at the time, but her idea. And it just, it just called to me because of course it was something that we should be doing. So I really, um, just really been on the advocacy side the last few years and only in the last probably few years have I really understood the importance of why I need to share my story, why I need to advocate and why I shouldn't be afraid of what, you know, people think about my uh, support for the Second Amendment and why it's so important that we all understand kind of the history uh, of it and, and why it's so important that we retain that. And um, I guess, I don't know if I'm missing anything. So that's my story. Um, and I'll let Dave kind of piggyback on that. Absolutely. So, uh, so my name is David Smith. Uh, some people know me as Shaky Dave or Parkinson Shooter on Instagram. And uh, I'm a professional shooter. And uh, I'm here supporting my fiance. But he's got and, an incredible story too. <laughs> but uh, Now, uh, just so, for the record, this is not a panel of only women it, it happens that we have a lot of women on our panel but uh you are just as welcome you're not you're not also here you're here he's got incredible story dc project i, I <laughs> point that out but mm -hmm. uh no I'm, I'm a professional shooter and uh i've been shooting all my life I, I don't remember my you know first gun i remember my first bicycle but i've been shooting all my life and uh but i haven't had parkinson's uh, but for uh, um, around 10 years. And uh, so I used uh, guns 
and uh, gun therapy to uh, raise the dopamine uh, and uh, steady my hand, uh, steady myself, uh, you know, just to uh, help with the Parkinson's. Uh, started out as just a therapy, and and uh, now it's just a, a mission that I'm on to to eventually uh, either die trying or cure Parkinson's with it. But uh, yeah, it just Amen. makes my my life a lot better. And so uh, I was bedridden. I was in a wheelchair and, and uh, shot my way out of it, I guess, until uh, last year I went to the world rifle match in Sweden. Uh, we did. And uh, so that's that's my story. And, and I just keep on shooting guns and uh, raising that dopamine level because, uh, you know, what else is there? And, uh, right. And for the record, you went to Sweden to the match, not only with Amy, right, but as a competitor yourself. Oh, yes. Uh, and, I, and I didn't compete. I was actually there um, supporting him and uh, doing some other things for the for the association that was there, or USPSA. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my sponsor, F1 Firearms, and uh, they build AR-15s, and they're they're the greatest. So, uh, yeah, I used that and, uh, you know, competed in Sweden, in, in Sweden. And it was such a great experience. I mean, really, the things that happen in, in competition uh, with stress and everything, especially when you're a disabled person, uh, you know, as soon as that bell goes off or the buzzer goes off, all the plans you have go away. And uh, so as a someone that has... Uh, you know, Parkinson's taking away everything that shooting uh, tries to fix. It's a battle between the two. So you know, cognitive and balance and, and uh, fine motor skills, trying not to shoot your toe off and all that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really that's that's gun therapy right there. So uh, Second Amendment is so much more than just the Second Amendment to me. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is, you know, I don't get a, a cure from pills or a wheelchair. I get it from shooting and getting out there and doing something and uh, staying at, active and not letting it take me down. Would you, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here just a second, Dave, but would you indulge me just a little bit? Because I've seen uh, some interviews. I, I just recently rewatched the interview from Gun Freedom Radio when you two were on with Cheryl and Dan. Um, would you show us how as soon as you take a firing stance that everything just goes still for you? Well. Or can you uh, right now? <laughs> well, um, uh, so I'll get my real. Okay. Um, so real quick with Dave, like Dave and I met over, um, over a year ago and we actually met through shooting. We met at the DC project team match. <laughs> so, um, I actually, we didn't know each other in the industry before that, but we met, we met there and, you know, of course we had a lot in common and as we got to know each other, we just, you know, our relationship, um, evolved and he really, you know, has opened up my eyes to this whole world when it comes to using guns as a form of therapy and we all you know as shooters recreational shooters whether you're a competitor or not we always talk about how it feels so empowering how it feels so good to shoot and with someone like dave who has a neurological disorder 
that causes him to, to have involuntary movement. When he picks up a gun, there's all these different things happening in his brain that help him over time. And I am a, you know, I, I, I'm a witness to it every day. And <laughs> um, it really, this is something that, you know, in a different avenue that we're trying to pursue to kind of show the world that because he's tried other forms of just regular physical therapy. He's tried other recreational like boxing and all these things. And it just, we want to present gun therapy as a different and, you know, unique type of um, therapy that actually helps people not only with Parkinson's, but with neurological or, or even like things like anxiety or depression. And because his disorder is such a physical one, you know, the things that we all talk about are just amplified in the visual form with Dave. And so it's, it's pretty remarkable, I have to say. So, uh, uh, yeah, gun therapy is based on uh, neuroplasticity. It's the scientific neuroscience mm-hmm. uh, behind it. And uh, it's just rebuilding those pathways uh, that are the dopamine uh, chemical uh, is the bridge, if you would. Mm-hmm. And the pathway to uh, to uh, to make everything work. So, lack of dopamine, I shake. Uh, I just I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's uh, if you can see it or not. But but when I go up to uh, to get in the stance, and then it uh, steadies out. So I've got my laser my laser trainer here. Mm-hmm. There we go, kind of backwards. But uh, so it's just. I can do it steady, but, uh, you know, 24-7 all the time, unless I'm sleeping, I'm shaking. So, and and until I pick up the gun, and then it's like game on, and it's uh, just these connections start firing just like normal, and all the tenseness and everything that I have in shoulders and, and all the muscles that uh, are shaking real bad, just everything goes uh, still and, and real, um, I guess, relaxed. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's that is is just such an amazing, all, an amazing thing. And I I think I'm in the boat that that most people are in. That I don't know a lot about Parkinson's. I mean, I know of a few famous people, of course, that that have come forward and said they have it. And I've known a few people um, in my personal life that have have uh, fought with Parkinson's, but. Um, I don't know that much about it or the, the, the mechanics of it or the, you know, the way that, that it affects the, the brain and the nerves. And so just to, to have heard that from you and to see that, um, and to, to see that happen and know that, that something as simple as just, you know, taking a firing stance or, or gripping, a even the, even the trainer, I mean, just putting that, uh, that laser trainer gun in your hand and and holding that up that all of a sudden your brain just tells your body okay um be still and and do this and it's 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 inspiring to me just to to see that um that the thing that that i spend so much time um running my mouth and and advocating and and being an activist for um for me it's it's a concept right it's it's my freedom it's my liberty um to an extent, it's my heritage growing up in, in rural Nebraska. For you, literally, this is life and death. This can add years yeah. to your life. Um, and and for, again, even, um, you know, for, for anybody who is maybe disabled or maybe just not as physically big and strong as, as the average person, um, you know, for, for 
we we always think of women it's not always women but but women too i mean the fact that um having the ability the the legal right the legal ability um to to own and carry a firearm um for a lot of people this really is life and death and and the stories that people have told um are are just amazing and i know um Diana, you had been um, before Congress here recently um, and and had told your own some of your own stories, too. And I want to get to that. But we've got a few more panelists. But I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here after a while, Diana, so that uh, you can talk to us about about uh, going before Congress, because I think a lot of people who may not know you by name know you from that and maybe don't realize it yet. So um, we are going to move along here and uh, I'm going to bring Allie in. Um, and Allie, again, is somebody that, that I've never met and, and I don't know. Uh, I guess before I do, uh, Dave or Amy, did, did either one of you have anything else you wanted to um, bring up or talk about before I cut you off? Well, uh, we just you know, throw it out there that uh, if you go to either one of our uh, Instagram pages, uh, guntherapy.org is, is uh, our nonprofit and also... Uh, if anyone's out there with a disability that wants to, or, you know, they're thinking about shooting, participate. Uh, participate. Anybody that wants to put their email on that, uh, that uh, website, uh, on my Instagram, then uh, we'll get, yeah, get back with them. Um, it's guntherapy.org. If, if, uh, we're, we're currently taking emails for, um, we're trying to reach out to people who are willing to participate in a clinical study um, to show how the brain is affected by, uh, you know, by gun therapy. That is, that is awesome. Just to, just to get them out there and shooting and, and uh, you know, take that step because we're trying to defend ourselves not from, not only from an attacker, but also someone that is trying to take our guns from, whether it be red flag laws, politicians don't understand none of them would ever give me a gun if they saw me i mean just like in a i was in a shooting range the other day that the guys i walked up to the shooting range counter and he was about to not let me shoot and i actually had to say hey can you just google my name and google parkinson shooter fox news or anything like that and just read it and try to allow me to come in and shoot. I'm trying to do gun therapy. And I almost, I mean, the guy was like, Hey, you know, it's, uh, you know, nah, I don't know about that. And he, he, he was about to let me, uh, just invite me outside. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, he was about to turn me away. So that, that happens in our industry mm -hmm. and with the politics. And we are also, if you're in a wheelchair, you have this, uh, disability were easier targets quote unquote to the bad guy mm -hmm. so you know those things happen and that's what my heart is for is to make that to a, a lot less uh frequent what's the old quote god created all men sam colt made them equal and we can uh, substitute men for people at this this day and age but god created all people and and sam colt made them equal and today there's a lot more people of course than just colt that are that are making them equal so thank god for that um 
again, uh, thanks for, for everything. And before I move on, I just want to encourage everybody again, if you're watching this live or not, um, hit that share button, get this message out there because there are going to be a ton of people who aren't aware that you can, uh, you can be a successful shooter. Uh, you can defend yourself if you have something like Parkinson's disease, uh, disease, if you, if you have physical disabilities, my, uh, my friend Patriot in the dark, who's out there in the YouTube chat is blind and, uh, he's a licensed concealed carrier and, and he can actually qualify, um, and, and keep his license renewed. You don't have to be able to see to exercise your right to self-defense and your right to life. And the fact that you have a right to, to life and a right to self-defense means that you have a right to keep yourself alive and defend yourself by any means necessary, which means that you have the right to use whatever uh, tool that you want to to do such a thing. And the fact that anybody doesn't get that, I can't even wrap my brain around it, okay? Um, I know there's there's people that don't understand that or, or want to say yes, but there's no buts. So anyway, I'm not going to get off on my soapbox. I've got other people to talk to. So Allie, we will bring you back in here now. Um, and as I started to say, I've not met Allie, but uh, after I had posted uh, up on Facebook that I needed some help with uh, getting some people in on the panel, Allie had volunteered. So um Go ahead and uh, just tell us again, um, who are you, Allie? What do you do? And uh, and then what's been your advocacy and, and activism journey? Well, I'm really humbled to follow all of these folks with more compelling stories than mine. Um, I'm a writer in North Florida. Uh, for three years, I was co-host of the Guns of Hollywood podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. And... The only person I really know well here is Tony, and he was a guest on, on our show many times. And, uh, and uh, But I, I got to meet a lot of other activists doing the show, Maj Torre and uh, Evil Roy, who does cowboy action shooting, and a lot of great people. Um, I've been around guns all my life. Um, I... I can remember the first time, 1981, I was a Civil War reenactor for years. I was 20 some odd years old. And we were at a, a big event here in Florida. And someone from Illinois was there. And they told me they had a Foyd card for their their three-band musket. And I was I was floored. It never had entered my mind that someone would regulate three band rifles. I, it just, that blew me away. And I have never forgotten that shock that I got that there is a possibility that the government at some point might decide to get between you and, and firearms. Um, you know, we're very fortunate here in Florida. Uh, but I think most people here in Florida now know that, you know, that lives by a razor's edge. And it's a matter of, you know, the wrong day, the wrong election day, and you get people in there, like in Virginia, who can who can take it all away in a, in, in a matter of weeks. Um, I do a lot of competition shooting, me and my wife both. We actually met uh, reenacting. She was a, grew up in a small town in Florida, was around guns all of her life. So they have been a part of our 
marriage. I mean, you know, cats, horses, guns. Uh, it, it's just it's just life around here, and uh, but the competition shooting. I, I think that that is just huge. The USPSA. Um, I do USPSA, I do SAS, uh, cowboy action shooting. Uh, I've done some three gun. I've met some of the, I shoot with some of the ladies who I know have been active in the DC project, Katrina Reed. Um, she's a great shooter and a lot of fun, her and her husband when they're shooting with us. Um, Eve Haney. It's interesting thinking back on it, listening to the, uh, to the ladies here that, it's almost the the women who are in competition shooting are active are actually more activist than many of the men are. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. Now, a lot of the men are very angry about about the uh, possibility of losing their Second Amendment rights, but they it's the women who seem to be willing to travel and do things and argue with people and organize. Uh, letter, you know, letter writing campaigns. Um, but I competition, and I, I almost wish that SAS and USPSA and three gun didn't have that word competition in them because mm -hmm. I think that scares a lot of people away. Uh, almost everyone who's out there shooting, you know, except for the top 5%, are out there to have fun and to learn how to run their guns better and to, to just have a good time and to socialize. And you, you, I, I meet people and I tell them, you know, come out and shoot, you know, there's different levels of, you know, cowboy action shootings. Like, man, you, you, you better have some money. You better have some time and be willing to, to really get involved. But you know, you can come out and shoot USPSA. You can shoot a couple of matches a year. You just have to have the gun, some magazine uh, holders, you know, four magazines, and be able to buy the ammunition, which right now could be an issue. But indeed, that that's that's all you need to come out and shoot, and you'll have a great time, um, and you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about your gun. You'll learn a lot about yourself. Um, you can't. One of the great things about competition shooting is that you have to drop your ego. Uh, guns will will humble you very quickly. Uh, little steel targets, particularly, can be humbling. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, it, it's also great networking. Like I said, I, I've met you know Katrina and I. Sh we get to shoot with uh, together. Um, all the other you know we shoot with people from the. Uh, law enforcement community, not a ton of them, but some law enforcement mm -hmm. community, it, it builds a network of people. Uh, and you, you have a camaraderie. If you get out there and shoot, you work on the same squad together. And uh, it's, um, so I, I think that's probably right now, the biggest thing I do to advocate is to try to get new people shoot. There's also uh, Glock matches are, are great. They, I go out and uh, my wife and I have worked those. Uh, we have a, a match here every year and you get people who have never shot a competition. You, we have had people come out there who just bought their gun that day. Awesome. <laughs> and so you are literally, you know, having to 
do baby steps with them to get through. And, and the uh, Glock Shooting Sport Foundation has done a great job making Glock competitions very friendly for new people. Um, but you're also out there, you know, they have about one a month. This year has been horrible. Of course, they've had to cancel a ton of matches. But they have, you know, you could travel around the country, not one a month. You, you could travel around the country and almost shoot one every weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, but because there's only, what, 52 weeks, 50, the best shooters, Mosav Ayub comes down to our match every year. So you get to talk to him and, you know, I've ROed him. You know, what a trip is that? And he's, you know, super nice guy. Um, some of the other top shooters in the country will be there. It's another thing that people, that that is different, I think, about competition shooting than it is other forms of competition. Um, you can be, you know, mediocre shooter like I am, and yet you can get on a squad with some of the best shooters in the country and get to watch them shoot. And, you know, 99% of them are the nicest, most humble people and more well, you know, they won't try to teach you anything if you don't want to learn anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're open, they will, they will give you little hints and little insights that, uh, you know, you'd pay a fortune for if there's you want to get that kind of training. There's a fine balance in there, isn't there between, Hey, I'm willing to help, but, uh, Hey, I don't want to be overbearing and, and, you know, if you don't want my help, that's fine too. And that's one of the coolest things is, yeah, it's within the gun community. You're always going to have a few know-it-alls and, and big mouths. And I'm probably one of them that uh, is going to tell you, you know, stuff that whether you want help or not, you know, and, and it's, it's all from an eagerness to be helpful. It's not right. come from a place of, of control, but for the most part, the people that have been around, um, the competition circuits that I know of, I mean, they, they've all been through it, so they don't want to do that to other people. Um, but it, from what I can pick up and I haven't been around much for competition, uh, myself, but I've been around a few people that have, um, from what I can pick up, it's very similar to the world of rodeo and coming from rural Nebraska, I know about rodeo and that's something where, um, even though it's, it's competition and it's usually individual, competition and everybody's there to try and win the same top prize but yet at the same time everybody helps everybody and if you want uh some tips from some of the old pros then they're more than willing to help out knowing fully well that the advice that they give you right now may come back and bite them in the backside 10 minutes from now when you go and compete because they might have helped you um, get those extra points needed to, to put you over the top and, and even edge them out. Um, but it's a community, um, whether it's it's shooting or rodeo, I mean, I see that all the time. And, and I've seen a lot of rodeo competitions where somebody's horse goes lame and somebody else says, here, hop on my horse, ride him around, get used to him, and you can rope off him, or you can bulldog off him, or whatever you need to do. Um, you know, use my saddle, use my bull rope, whatever it is. Um, people are willing to to help out and be generous, and I've seen that time and time again in the gun community, not just competition shooting, uh, in the yeah. gun community in general, in the, in the 2A community in general. I always say, that uh, Pro 2A and Pro Gun are two separate circles. Yes, they overlap a lot like a Venn diagram, but they're separate circles in and of themselves, and, and not everybody that's in one is in the other. Uh, so that's that's really, really awesome. Um, are you 
currently um, involved with Firearm Radio Network or or doing anything um, as far as media goes, either social media or other media, Allie? Not right now. Okay. Uh, I I joked about Hurricane Michael, but it it did the eye did pass within about twelve miles of us, oh, wow. and we had hundreds of trees down and and on our property, and um, that's when we suspended Guns of Hollywood, and I, okay. I just had to kind of back off and and take care of take care of ourselves a little bit. Uh, but I'm kind of looking forward to getting back in it. When I saw this, I said and saw that my buddy Tony was going to be here, <laughs> um, that, uh, I wanted to come on and, and, and sure. sure. Absolutely. And, and yeah, what is it that people say? If, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? He always has, uh, exactly. something that comes up that, uh, that may get in the way of what, what we want. So, um, Allie, thank you very much for, uh, coming on as a guest and, and being part of, uh, of the podcast tonight. I'm going to try and keep moving. I know we're running, going to run long on time, but there's some things I just want to get to and some people that of course haven't spoken yet. Um, so let's move over to uh, defense dad. And uh, now defense dad is somebody who I have actually gotten to know. He lives in Nebraska here. Um, and, and I've actually become friends on a personal level too. And, and I know that you're not, um, you didn't really grow up as, as a gun person and you haven't really been in the firearms world super long compared to maybe some of the rest of us. But would you just tell everybody, um, again, for, for the regulars here to the podcast, you know, defense dad, and you, you've seen him and heard his voice, but, uh, for any newcomers and, and for the panelists, um, who are you, what do you do? And then what has been your journey as far as, uh, to a advocacy and, and any activism? And I know you have some activism cause you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of feel, well, my story is going to be kind of lackluster compared to the rest of them. But No such thing. So, you know, just real quickly, you know, I, I, like I've told you before, I grew up, family members and friends had guns. I could go shoot with them whenever I wanted to. I didn't own any. Um, two years ago, there were some attempted kidnappings of young girls, and I have a young daughter. One of them was only six blocks from my house. Um, so that got me, okay, this is finally time for me to own a gun. And when I got it, you know, I, I went went to the range like a lot of new gun owners do and, you know, just kind of floundered there. I was lucky enough to come across, and for people in Nebraska, I'm going to give a little bit of plug. To, I came across Justin at Nebraska Shooters, um, which is a firearms school, and they, have, they actually teach classes. They have a network all across Nebraska. I answered an ad to a fun shoot and started learning things through him and took some classes. And because I felt if I'm going to be able to protect my daughter, I need to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I started, once I got into it, I started a small YouTube channel. It still remains kind of small. Um, I wanted to help other new gun owners. I, there was tons of, you know, there's tons of gun channels out there, but I found none of them approached it from the, standpoint of a new gun owner and things you could learn along the way. And so hopefully people can take some of my experiences and they can save them some money, save them some time and be able to protect their families. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've gotten my daughter into shooting too. Um, and part of the reason why I took some classes too, you know, if I'm going to teach her, I need to know as much as I can to teach her safely. She's gotten to be a pretty good shot. And, you know, I've had family members that 
think it's just horrible of me to put a gun in a 11 year old's hand at 10 at a time. And, you know, I don't care. My, my daughter is not going to grow up not being able to protect herself and being sheltered from the stuff going on in this world. She's going to be empowered. She's going to be able to protect herself and do the things that she needs to do uh, and be safe. So I guess that kind of surely that's my story. I'll also echo what everybody else has said. You know, I didn't not growing up in the gun community. I grew up in the car community and just like you at the rodeo or everywhere else, you know, this is the only community that I found that is as friendly and open and inviting as Mm -hmm. the people I knew in the car community. So it's been a great journey. I'm still having a lot of fun. um, And that's about it. Very cool. And again, thank you so much for, uh, for being here. Um, all right. We're going to go over to Nighthawk, Nighthawk Medic Shoots. And uh, you are fast becoming uh, a regular here with us on Tuesday nights. But uh, again, for anybody who doesn't know you, um, who are you? What do you do? And what do you do as far as advocacy and activism? Well, thank you, Sandhill. Um, I'm, of course, Nighthawk Medic Shoots. I'm a veteran of the United States Army. I actually started my channel as a part of advocacy, uh, Second Amendment advocacy and voter advocacy specifically. Uh, you'll find me at Nighthawk Medic Shoots at YouTube Full 30 and also on Facebook. And that's important because I want you to talk to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't review weapon systems for my own uh, advocacy. I don't do it so I can see myself on TV. I'm not that pretty. Uh, The idea is to get newer shooters into the community, get them started, and get them excited about shooting. Uh, You'll hear me advocate to get people shooting. So the group that I actually head up is called the Patriots Advocacy Alliance, and it is a advocacy, voter advocacy, and 2A advocacy group for the silent majority. So there's a lot of advocacy groups that get out there and they advertise on Facebook. And there is a fear of financial oblivion with the docs movement that's going on right now. There are people who are not getting involved in advocacy because they fear losing their jobs. They fear losing their livelihood. They fear being able to continue on their normal daily functions with the exposure that they might receive through that. And so we act as a bridge for those people where they can come in, maintain a certain amount of anonymous uh, to the world, while also begin to participate in things such as voter advocacy and Second Amendment advocacy. And then we press them from there, uh, once they feel comfortable and safe, onto the larger advocacy groups. Um, so you can actually contact me directly at wow. nighthawk.medic.shoots at gmail.com if you're interested in getting in that group and just not sure how you want to get your toe into advocacy. Because I know, you know, the, this panel is full of amazing advocates out there that have big public faces. And we want you to eventually end up in one of those places. But if at the moment you're too afraid to do that or concerned about that, there are ways that you can get into that without having such a huge public face. And I take care of all the ugly public face for everybody else. So there's (laughs) no reason for anybody else to worry about the public face. You do not have a monopoly on that market, (laughs) sir. Okay, one more time. That email address was nighthawk.medic.shoots at gmail.com. Yes, sir. That is correct. And I welcome... Either Gmail or Facebook, hit me up on my channel anywhere. 
because we want you to get involved. The truth of it is, is that this is more important than where you are today. Uh, mm -hmm. You buy an AR-15 today so that the AR-15,000 laser rifle is available when your great-grandbaby uh, needs a rifle in the future. We're making and setting the building blocks and the stones for our, our next generation. So it's critical. Thank you for the time, Sand Hills, and I look yeah. forward to hearing from anybody. All right, you betcha. And I did pop uh, pop that uh, Gmail address into the chat, and it was even on the screen there. So if you uh, if you're watching this on replay, just go back and pause it if you need to 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 get to that. Um, and again, thank you, Nighthawk, for uh, everything that you're doing and for uh, for helping me out on uh, on the podcast. All right, let's move over to Tony Simon. And uh, wasn't that long ago, Tony was here as a guest and we uh, kind of took up the whole night just talking between the two of us and didn't let any of the other panelists really <laughs> have a word in edgewise. Um, so I'm going to give you um, a, a little bit bigger assignment. So not only uh, do I want you to explain to anybody who's not familiar with you, because uh, I know there's still some people out there that don't know Tony. Um, and uh, there, there's, there shouldn't be, but I know there's probably one or two. Um, but uh, not only who are you and what do you do, um, because most of, of what I know of what you do is based around um, being an advocate and an activist. But uh, we're going to come full circle and go back to your original post once you're once you're done with that. Um, and I want you to just kind of list off all the things that uh, people that are listening right now that are thinking, well, I can't really afford to get into competition shooting. Uh, I can't go all around the country. I can't fly to D.C. and talk to um you know people all the time i can't always even drive to my state capital and talk to people all the time so i don't know what i i want to help but i don't know what to do so after the normal questions um i'll have you cover that one too for me would you all right no problem first of all i'd like to thank you for having me on um i'd like to say hi to everybody that i know hello everybody <laughs> that i know <laughs> uh, miss seeing you guys at everything that's happening this year uh, Jersey's still jacked up. So <laughs> my name is Tony Simon. Um, I, I run an organization called The Second Ish for Everyone. But truthfully, I started out uh, born in, born and raised on a farm in Virginia. That's where I'm from, middle of the country uh, in Virginia. And uh, shot competition air gun in uh, high school doing a junior ROTC. That's what I was in. So that was my first competition shooting. Um, Prior to that, I mean, just a country boy, you grew up with guns. There was nothing thought about that, like having a bike. So there was no big deal. Um, I joined the Marine Corps at 17, uh, got out and moved to Jersey. And when I got to New Jersey, uh, actually, I bought some firearms after because I'm a big surplus gun geek. And um, so I didn't really worry, you know, bolt actions, kind of old school stuff. But when I was going to drive to Jersey, I called up every state because this was in the early 90s before pretty much personal computers was were in everyone's home. And I wanted to find out the law so I wouldn't break the law as I transported to Jersey. And the further I got from Virginia going north, the dumber the gun laws got <laughs> until I'm talking to the New Jersey State Police and the lady tells me, your firearm has to be unloaded, the ammo has to be in one place, the gun has to be locked up in the other. And I started laughing because I thought she was joking and she got really offended. And I was, that should have been my first warning and I should have just turned the car around. But I came to Jersey um, because of their silly gun laws, because they have to have a firearms ID card here. You have to have a pistol purchase permit to buy a handgun. Um, you can't even walk, gun stores had this policy in Jersey. You can't touch a gun unless you have a firearms ID card. 
So that means going into a gun store where legally I should be able to buy a long arm in any state. Um, I couldn't touch it. I couldn't mm. touch the gun. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm a Virginia resident. I want to look at that rifle. You can't touch it unless you have a New Jersey firearms ID card. That was the stupidity there was dealing with. So pretty much it locked me out of uh, gun ownership until 2012. When I did all the paperwork, I had the two references. I allowed them to look into my mental state. I gave them permission to do that uh, and uh, mental health wreckage. And then uh, I got a firearm and I sucked. Uh, for somebody that uh, shot competition <laughs> in the Marine Corps, I mean, competition before I joined the Corps was in the Marine Corps because, you know, we're all great riflemen, whatever. Yeah, I've heard it, that. Yeah. 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 It's great when you're in, when you're out, it, it, it just goes away. It's a perishable <laughs> skill. So uh, my friend, uh, Sean, was actually got his NRA certification to be an instructor. And he was like, hey, I'm trying to fill my first class. Can you come out? And I went there sucking. And I left there shooting 10 round groups at 15 yards the size of a postage stamp. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. This feels so good. I want other people to feel this good. I want to do that for people. So I took all of my classes, became a trainer. Um, and was planning on being the greatest firearms instructor on the planet Earth. And then <laughs> and then Sandy Hook happened. And New Jersey legislators had, now I was told they had 86 different anti-gun bills lined up. 86. The next day. And I was like, that's not right. And my friend Sean and I got together and wrote a letter. Um, we, we crafted a letter to our legislators. And it took a while because, one, you're intimidated. Two, you don't know how to speak to them. You don't want to get preachy. You want to keep it short. You want to have it apply to you. And we went through all that. And it took four or five hours to write this letter, craft it the way we wanted to. And uh, I took a photo of it, and we put it online. And we told other people, hey, this is a letter we wrote. It took a little while. Don't be intimidated. Mail it to your legislator. Share it. And that's how I started advocacy. Um, the thing was shared thousands of times, which blew my mind because I had like 25 friends on Facebook, but like most gun owners, you know, you go on and you join every gun forum and that's what I'd done and people shared it and, and, and it was really cool. And then after that, I testified my state capital and that's when I realized that pretty much we had 200, the first time I testified, we had 200 pro gun people testify. I was the only black dude in the room that was pro gun. And I'm like, that's not what happens. I mean, they're black people at the range. They're Hispanic people. There were none testifying. So I spoke to the Second Amendment groups that were there afterwards. And I was like, hey, guys, do you have some program to get people of color involved? Like, like to invite them and show them the legislative side of gun ownership, like how you can become active. Because no one was listening to all the white people in there. You know, you, you fit the stereotype and they just blanked out. And everyone told me no. So, you know, typical guy, gun guy, I called my friend and complained about it. And he was like, do something. And I'm like, no, no, other people do stuff. I'm just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just complaining. And he was like, well, and he used one of my most often used sayings against me. You're going to talk about it or you're going to be about it. And I was like, <laughs> I hate you. And, um, and then he said, call Anthony Calandro at Gun for Hire, which we both went for our training. And he said, Anthony's always talking about setting stuff up and getting more people involved. So I called Anthony with my idea. Hey, um, I'd like to put something together just to get like black people involved in the Second Amendment advocacy side legislation. And he was like, what about Thursday? I'm like, what? He was like, what about Thursday? I'm like, look, 
and this is the cockiness of the new person on Facebook. Give me a week and I'll put something together. <laughs> so I made a Facebook event. And of course, like 25 people said they were coming. And this is a lesson learned. Four people showed up. So four people showed up to the first, <clears throat> I think it was called it the African American diversity shoot. And we, and I said, what we're we going to do, we're going to instruct people on how all people were welcome, but because diversity, well, people are welcome, but we want to really instruct people on how to make a difference. And I got so many emails going, can white people come too? And I'm like, yeah, yes, it, it was diversity. Um, it, it, whatever. And that was February 2015. That's the only reason I used the black thing, because it was Black History Month. Anyway, I learned from that. Sean and I went back to the drawing board and came up with the second is for everyone diversity shoots. And we've been hosting those since 2015 at Gun for Higher Range. Um, in Woodland Park, New Jersey. And then we did a, another couple of different ranges in New Jersey. And then COVID hit and the governor shut down indoor ranges in Jersey. And then when he finally did open it up, he only opened it up 25% capacity. And I'm like, how can I host events? And the Heritage Guild reached out to me because I'd, I'd done some exploratory work there trying to find other places outside of Jersey to go. The Heritage Guild is located in Eastern PA and they were like, you can host them here. So last week we had our very first diversity shoot in Eastern Pennsylvania because they cannot stop us. And um, it was great. Sig Sawyer sent a rep down and we had other volunteers come from Jersey. We had ladies, uh, two ladies came from Brooklyn, New York, just to participate. And it was a beautiful thing. Um, we had Sarah from uh, holdmyguns.org. She came down and spoke, which was awesome. And it just turned out to be a great event. But um I don't know how I came to where I am, except I was passionate about it. And really after Sandy Hook and the way they treated us when we testified as if we were annoying them, it ticked me off. They just made me angry that this is my right. I joined the court 17 years old, man. I believe in America. I believe in the system and I'm watching these people poop on me. And that just made me angry. And and they, <laughs> I feel like the Joker when he's talking to Batman, you created me. I'm like, your <laughs> anti-gun crap created what I'm doing. And, and that's where I am now. And when COVID happened, a lot of new gun owners came. Everybody knows that. Millions of Nick's background checks and things. And I just kept seeing a lot, a lot of gun owners, veteran gun owners talk about, well, now we have these people. You need to fight. You need to stand up. You need to become activists. And I'm like, wait a minute, where the heck are you? You know, I've gone to, <laughs> I'm like, I haven't seen you. There hasn't been a one million man march of gun owners on any state capital, on any national capital. Where are you people? Um, in New Jersey, we have one million gun owners with firearms ID cards. One million. I've been to multiple, te I testified in the Senate, I testified in our legislator uh, in the assembly. Uh, I've said speech on the steps. We've never had more than 3,000 people show up. So I'm like, where are all of you people with all this activism that you've had? I'm like, no, new gun people aren't going to be any more of an activist than you are. Mm -hmm. We have to recruit them. We have to invite them in. We have to show all, all they're doing, especially in a state like New Jersey, is being frustrated. And a lot of the people who they go look at because they join the forums, too, are just running around going, I told you so. I'm like, that's not helping. <laughs> so I made a list and, and I'll go ahead and say it. Gun owners are better at coming up with excuses than people in jail. I just, it's like, they just always have an excuse why they can do anything. So here's my little list. Cause I had to go back and look at 
what I did ask people to do. Mm-hmm. Write and call your legislators. Share 2A information on your social media. Go to your town hall or city council meetings. Join or donate to 2A advocacy groups. Be an ambassador and take people to the range. Oh, yeah. And stop being a jerk. That, <laughs> that's not traveling across the country. That's not taking time off of work. Mm-hmm. None of that is anything you can't do. And I didn't even tell anyone to do all of that. Like most Second Amendment groups just allow you to join their newsletter and get their newsletter and find out what's happening on the state and national level. People won't do that. Sharing your social media is free. Mm-hmm. Like, instead, look, put the picture of your ham sandwich up and then post something from DC Project going, what's going on? That costs zero dollars and they still won't do that. So I get a little frustrated at all these gun people who says what other people should be doing when they do absolutely nothing, nothing. And, and do I judge? Am I judging people? I just guess I get frustrated because I know what I've gone through. The second is for everyone has been out of my pocket since 2015. I, I think in the last two years, I actually came up with a Patreon account and came up with the GoFundMe. And, but everything else has been me working overtime me getting comp time to take time off of work. I met Di at, I don't know which NRA, and I still got the picture of when we first met. It was awesome. And uh, she told me about the DC project, but that was overtime money I spent to get there. That was my tax return money. So, yeah. I, I, <laughs> no cursing. <laughs> no cursing. Um, uh, it's hard, right? We get passionate sometimes. I get it. It's okay. I, like I said, I won't ban you if if one goes out. But it's like um, there are things you can do to spread information. Mm-hmm. You can stop being a dork online. Mm-hmm. That kind of helps with the clip versus magazine versus just stop. Just stop with it. If you want to be a jerk, hey, go find the forums where you can be a jerk at. But the ones where people come for information, when they ask something that has been answered, um, like, where do I find bullets? What do you mean bullets? You need to pump the brakes. Just stop. Um, dogging people because of their purchases. Oh, you only bought that. You bought a high point. I'd rather, you know, be found dead and blah, 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 than use a high Just stop. Because what I found with the diversity shoot when I'm introducing new people to firearms is if someone has never tested a gun and they're nervous about being at my event, they're the adventuresome one in their circle of friends. They're the one that showed up. What I'm doing right now when I'm meeting that one person is meeting a person that has a whole nother circle of friends that would never show up at the range. They would never come to this event. And if I'm welcoming to that one person who has some questions like, why do you need 30 rounds to kill a deer? I can actually have a conversation with them. And they want, hey, Tony didn't snap at me. Or the guys at the diversity shoot were really nice and welcoming. And now when they're going back and talking to their friends and showing the pictures they took of shooting, you know, the SIG rifle, or shooting this and that. And the fact that everybody wasn't a bearded white dude in a plaid shirt that treated them like crap. I'm like, no, we have people from every race. We have LGBT community. We have anything that you can think of comes to our events. And they're like, wow, I didn't know that. Boom. Well, we know that. We know that as gun people, but most people don't because they listen to what the negative media narrative is of Mm -hmm. firearms owners. 
And we can change that one person at a time. And really, we're lucky because guns are fun. I like we have the fun thing. The other side has to convince you that it's all dangerous. It's horrible. Fear, fear, fear. And we're like, hey, come down to the range, man. We'll have some pizza and shoot some guns. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and it's like being a crack dealer in the 80s, man. We got it easy. <laughs> we got it easy. It's like, listen, first magazine's free. <laughs> and then we just got yep. him. Yep, oh, you're hooked, you're in. hooked. Now, we got you knowing that we're not all crazy, we're not all nuts, we're not all living in a bunker. Mm-hmm. We don't need to preach to you, we don't need to get you to change political party, we don't need you to do any of that. All I need you to do is realize that you've been lied to, look deeper into it. This is your right, don't give it away. One of the things I started pointing out in the last year, mainly because I've been reading a lot, and it just clicked with me one day. The civil rights movement supposedly ended in 1968. That was the last of the civil rights legislation. I am the first generation of black American born with all of my rights that didn't have to be legislated to me. I was born with the same rights as a white guy. I'm like, it is not that old. Just because you see Martin Luther King Jr. marching in the videos in black and white does not mean it was 100 years ago. This was two years before I was born. I went to school with the white kids whose dads were standing out in front of the school, not allowing black kids in. I went to school with those kids. It's not that long ago. So why would I ever, ever acquiesce to giving away my rights to make someone else feel better over a lie they're telling? This is your right. My regular job is a locksmith. You know how many domestic violence calls I've gone on? how many home break-ins and violent assaults that I've had to go and change locks and and try to help people put their lives back together. You have the ability and the right as a human to protect yourself. And there shouldn't be a government between you and that protection. Because we all know the government's job is not to protect you as an individual. I don't know how many Supreme Court cases we have to continually talk about that that's not true. But let's roll back to the advocacy thing. Being an activist, being an advocate. Now, not only do I train people, um, I volunteer to introduce people to firearms at different ranges at NRA Day at, uh, for the um, Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Club owners here in Jersey. I volunteer for that every year. Uh, we have hundreds of people come through. I've used my old Stevens 320-20 gauge to introduce pretty much hundreds of people a day to shotgun shooting and busting clays. Um, It's always something you can do. Donate $5 to a group like that. Every little bit helps. Heck, donate $5 to me. I'm not even going to act like I'm not here and go, (laughs) I can use the money too. Uh, Ammo's expensive. Yes, and to die too, because she's my favorite human being and I love her. Um, (laughs) She's talking about she was on Michael Bain's show. I'm like, that's where I first saw her. And I was like, I like that lady. So yeah, I fangirled out big time when I met her in real life. And um But it's something you can always do. Be an ambassador. Donate a dollar. Become aware. Share stuff on social media. You don't have to do what I do. I don't even ask people to do what I do. Do what you can. Do what you can. And the more you get involved, the more, because people continue to ask me, Tony, how did you, you know, become whatever the heck they think I am in the Second Amendment movement? And, And my partner always says, show up. Show up. That's how you become involved in it. And that's what so many people just don't do. 
So that that's my little spiel. That's what had me going at four o'clock in the morning as I'm drinking my cup of coffee. And I had to <laughs> edit it. I had to really edit what I was saying <laughs> to not put curse words in and to not get too nasty. So I just ended it with don't be stop being a jerk. Just stop. Yep, get work yep, done. Exactly. Put something in. No, I, I definitely uh, definitely felt what you were what you were saying when I read that. Um, and it's funny because I just want to throw this out there. But at any point, if you see um, a post on social media, whether it's from Tony, sometimes I come up with some zingers on my own. Other times, most of the time, if I'm honest, I just steal those from other people. Um, but uh, but here's what happens is that um, if if you read something like that, where, where somebody like Tony says, Hey, you know, stop telling all the new gun owners to get on the bandwagon and start fighting for, for our rights when you're not doing anything at all. Um, some people are like, well, I do this and I do this and I do this. Okay, good. Good on you. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Great. And we're, we're happy that you're here. Um, but the people that really get offended and the people that really feel the, the pinch from a post like that or a comment like that. Um, I think the, the best way that I can sum it up is something that, uh, that uh, Chad Prather always says on, on the Chad Prather show. And he always says uh, it's the bit dog that always yelps loudest. Um, if, if you're pushing back and you want to argue and, and get, you know, uh, indignant, whatever it is, because of something that I said that people aren't doing, um, just stop and think about that. Why, why is that striking a nerve with you? If it's not true, uh, if it's not, if the shoe doesn't fit, then you're not going to wear it. Right. So that's what I always say. If the shoe fits, wear it. And the bit dog yelps the loudest. Um, so I definitely, uh, definitely thought that that was worth sharing when you said it. And then, yeah, I, I kind of got fired up when somebody else was like, well, I can't go and do all that. Cause I have a job. Well, you, you can do stuff. There's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, doesn't doesn't matter yeah. you don't have to do everything that's on that list like tony said the biggest thing is um figure out something that you can do and go do it because not everybody's good at everything but everybody's good at something yeah i was i was going to try to make a living on my only fans but well it didn't work out like i wanted right um yeah i wasn't good looking enough but um <laughs> one thing we did do was uh we also started something called the Minuteman challenge and it's what we call a friendly shooting competition. And the whole point of it is not even to get you to uh, buy an AR. It's like we set it up. So, yeah, one time it's uh, one week it's uh, shooting ARs and we just call it AR shoot. Then the next one is just any semi-automatic rifle. Uh, and then one week it's mechanical. So you bring your bolt action, your lever action, whatever. Uh, another week is pistol. We try to get people to get that gun out of their sock drawer, out of their back of their closet, and just come and shoot this friendly competition with guys like you or girls like you. We do rimfire. We do it all just to get you to, to make that gun a thing that you use, not something that's in the back of the closet you kind of forget about and you look at the gun um, debate na nationally as something that doesn't involve you. I'm like, and then when you come out and you meet like-minded people, and, and you're having fun and you're using this thing and you're putting some rounds down range. You go, oh, man, I forgot. You know, you do it once a year or once every two years when the relatives come from out of town, you take them to the range. But now you're doing something weekly with a bunch of cool guys and girls and you have something in common. And, and that kind of helps. And that breaks that ice. And then, of course, you can tell them about 
things like the Glock Shooting Association or Foundation, Sports Shooting Foundation, or anything else. And then they want to know where ranges and when can they do this more. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is, again, I mean, it's, it's funny because I just made that crack joke, but dude, get them in, get them shooting. And now they're in the community and they're making friends. And eventually activism will come. I don't try to force activism on people, even at my events. I just mm -hmm. introduce you to people that are doing it. I don't want you to change political parties. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm putting facts out. The guys who are running, this guy says this is his platform. This is their platform. Do whatever you want, but be aware and be informed and just have fun. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, I know we're running long on time, but I, I definitely want to get one last thing in um, because when it comes to making grand gestures, um, there are things that, that some people can do. Um, everything's not always as simple as just picking up the phone and calling your city council or calling your, uh, you know, your state senator, state representatives, even even your U.S. Senator, U.S. representatives, um, you can do all that stuff and we can start small. We can work our way up big. Sometimes you actually find yourself uh, in Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill uh, testifying um, and basically telling people uh, in a nice diplomatic way where to stick it. Right, Di? And so would you give us just a little bit of uh, a refresher on how that went? Because a lot of you may remember Diana as Miss uh, I will not comply, and uh, that made that went viral all over the place here a while back. So, would you just kind of talk about that and and uh, why you were there and and basically what you had said uh, while you were there, Diana? Sure. Um, during you know the last several years of going to Washington D.C. Uh, we've had a relationship with the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and uh, they actually put my name in the hat when um, the uh, Representative Collins is the, was the ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee, and they were putting together basically their side to testify. And uh, that's how I got there. And uh, then I stressed about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and, and really was probably more focused than anything because I felt the weight of the world. I felt the weight of all of us. Um, you know, I, I even told them, I was like, if, if I'm not, if I, if you can find somebody better, take them because this is so important. They were talking about the assault weapons ban, re, uh, basically bringing it back to life. And uh, it ended up that me and another girl was on a panel of seven people. So there were five antis and two pro Second Amendment people talking. And, yeah, I, I had no intentions on saying that. And I didn't say it to be rude or uh, inconsiderate. I just uh, thought that I was thinking of the, the stock ban. I was like, you've already made me a felon. You made me choose between being a felon or giving up my personal property. Uh, that wasn't hitting me, you know, wasn't hurting anything. So I said, please don't do that again. And uh, earlier in the, in the testimony about an hour earlier, one of the gentlemen in the gallery stood up with a, um, with the constitution, a copy of the constitution said, I want to testify. I want to testify. Uh, and I turn around and looked at him and he's got this shirt on that says we will not comply or will not comply. <laughs> Obviously put something in my head. So fast forward to me 
on my little my little uh, talk and I said, you know, just like the gentleman that got escorted out earlier, uh, if you pass the, something that's like this, I will not comply. And uh, I looked up and I saw uh, Nadler's face and I was like, hmm, maybe I went, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but no, it, uh, it was, I would, I wish I could talk to him. I wish I could tell him that that wasn't to to be rude or disrespectful, but under the Heller decision, I believe what they were talking about was unconstitutional and um, they shouldn't do it. So we haven't heard anything about it. And I'm hoping that, you know, we had some uh, influence there, but they don't come. It's just like Tony was talking about with 80 some odd bills lined up. They're just waiting for the next uh, event to happen and to push their agenda to disarm the American citizens. So that's why it's so important that we get, we talk to our neighbors, we talk to them, we talk to them about getting registered to vote. We talk to them about, you know, volunteering. We're talking about advocacy. Well, the same thing happens with um, volunteering on a campaign. I've never done that. I wouldn't know how to do that first thing, but if you just go do it, uh, you're doing something. So, yeah. And, and that, that's my biggest concern is, you know, we talk <clears throat> all this patriot talk and you know, people can't take the time to take the time to uh, write or call or do something. And yet, you know, we're supposed to have this big, you know, I just can't imagine 200 and some odd years ago, 250 years ago when Paul Revere was riding through the streets and it's like, no, I've got to go to work in the morning. I can't go out and, you know, fight for the civil war. I got got soccer practice at 3 p.m. So it's a little concerning that we've been spoiled for so long and that uh, those people gave up everything. They gave up their homes, their livelihoods. They put their entire life on the line for this great country that we have. And, uh, you know, shame on those parents who are letting these mm -hmm. kids. And, and they literally risk a noose around their neck at that time. Uh, to be hanged for treason if it didn't work in their favor. Um, now, I know a lot of people that talk big, right? Um, that uh, right now, you know, there's a lot of people pushing for uh, what they think is a civil war or a new revolution or things like that. And that's one of the biggest things that I keep saying, too. I mean, number one, we don't have the organization. We can't even uh, pass up an opportunity to argue about Clip versus Magazine or 9 versus 45 or Glock versus 1911. Um, we, we can't stop bickering about things that don't matter. So how are we going to come together on something that's that big and that important? And not only that, but who's going to lead us? Because everybody, and it's I know it's part of the nature of the mindset, but everybody who's part of this community um, is, is liberty-minded, right? Freedom-minded. Don't tell me what to do. Get off my lawn, right? You go do your thing and let me do my thing. Leave me alone. Um, so who's, who's going to be the generals when, uh, or excuse me, who's going to be the grunts when everybody wants to be a general and, and call the shots and have it our way. Um, and then again, we're going to, we're not organized. We're not at a position, um, as, as patriots to, to have that sort of a, a thing happen. And that being the case, I will still do everything in my power to find a diplomatic way around it uh, and to avoid such a thing. If push comes to shove and I'm backed into a corner and I don't have an opportunity or uh, and a way out of it other than to shoot my way out, then, you know, so be it. But there's there's always a way 
right? I heard somebody here um, a while back say that uh, uh, it's an old, uh, apparently an old uh, um, Japanese or Chinese philosophy. I don't know which that says the first one to throw a punch is the the first one to run out of ideas. And so there, there's always going to be another idea. There's always going to be something that is worth trying to avoid such a thing and, and not have this country ripped apart. It seems we have enough of that. I want to bring the, I want to bring people together, not uh, rip them apart. Um, Cause there's too much of that crap going on now. So, um, okay. We're, we're way longer than I planned on. And I appreciate everybody for, for hanging with us. Um, I know Amy and Dave are, are having some, uh, some technical stuff and I appreciate you guys coming back every time and not giving up and just saying to heck with it. Um, I, I really appreciate that too. So uh, we are going to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go thing. ahead. So Amy and Dave, they met at the DC Project team match last June, and I'm trying to get them to get married at the DC Project team match this Halloween. Uh, and if anybody wants to, same same website, dcproject.info. But uh, if you can come to the match or support the match anyway, that's our, one of our biggest fundraisers. And really, we need, you know, the red shirts have a $36 million budget. And, and we have a little bit smaller than that. So any support that we can have, that would be great. And the matches are a great way to do it. And you might get to see a wedding. That would be so awesome. Halloween like, weekend. Halloween like I said, if, if we could figure out how to get there and, and the logistics to get our Tahoe full of DJ equipment down there, um, we would have one heck of a party going on that night. I guarantee yeah. it. So uh, I, I tell you what, if you can convince them to get married, then uh, we'll figure out logistics. I'll, I'll try to convince Sand Hill Sweetheart to uh, drive to Texas with me for, for Halloween weekend. So, um, all right. Well, I want to uh, wrap things up. I'm going to give everybody a chance real quick. Um, I just want to, first of all, I, I want to thank all of you for being here. All of you, especially those of you um, in the Eastern time zone for staying up past midnight. I really appreciate um, the, the time that you've given us and the patience to, uh, I, I know that this isn't your typical, you know, 20, 30 minute podcast. This is, this is long form. This is we're we're in it to, uh, to talk about some stuff. And I, I love the fact that, uh, again, people in this community are so generous to, to, to give your time, um, which is, um, you know, some people time is the most precious commodity. Most of us time is the most precious commodity we have, right? It's what, uh, what we have the, the least amount of sometimes. Uh, so the fact that you would give it to me, most of you don't even know me. Um, and, uh, and again, we're not a, a big, uh, a big channel on YouTube or a big page on Facebook. I always joke that every week we go out live to tens of people. So, uh, um, I mean, I just, I really appreciate it. So thank you again, uh, all of you here in the panel. Um, I'm going to give every, everyone a chance just again to just say uh, where we can find you and anybody that wants to contact you. How do we do that? So uh, Diana, we'll start back with you. Um, how can people find you? On Instagram, I'm Di3Gun. On Facebook, I'm Diana Muller3Gun. And uh, the DC Project has an IG and a Facebook page. Um, and then the website is dcproject.info. The Ambassador Academy lives under my personal website, which is pro3gunner.com. All right. Awesome. All right. Amy and Dave, uh, I think that you actually are... Uh, with us right now. Yep. I can see you reacting. Uh, where can people find each of you uh, if they want to reach out to you or follow what you're doing? Oh man. I thought, I think you're there. 
I can see your smiling faces. No, I can hear you. They can email both of us at info at guntherapy.org. Info at guntherapy.org. And on our Facebook and Instagram, I'm Ada.may, A-D-D-A dot M-A-Y. And Parkinson okay. Shooter on Instagram. All right. And I heard that loud and clear. Okay. I keep talking over you. I'm sorry, guys. All right. So Parkinson, Parkinson or Parkinson's Shooter? Parkinson Shooter. Okay. On Instagram and Facebook. All right. So go check them out. Or if you didn't catch that, just uh, drop an email to info at guntherapy.org and they will uh, they'll get the info back to you um, where you can find them. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Where can people find you? Um, so you can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Schaefer Firearms Instructor um, or on any of the DC Project pages. Uh, Facebook is the DC Project. Instagram is DC underscore Project Foundation. And then my website is DEFCOMP defcompusa.com and let me just add one additional thing i kind of want to add on to what tony was saying about ways you you can be an advocate a couple things i had noted and come up with um mm -hmm. reach out all the time not only when there's something in opposition uh, the first year that i was in washington dc with the group that's one thing that we heard from the staffers that every time something bad happens we're getting tons of phone calls and tons of letters from all the antis, but we don't hear from the pro people. So make sure that you're reaching out even in those bad times. Um, they need to hear from us consistently. Um, you don't have to be on camera to support the groups. Like Tony said, send a dollar. Every dollar counts. Testify or just show up. I testified at the Nebraska people there and don't tell me that those legislators didn't take note of the fact that there were supporters lined up down the hallway and overflow gallery rooms. Numbers make a difference. Um, one more plug for myself, Murder Mystery Fundraiser, October 17th, Gearing Nebraska, supporting the DC Project, and that is on defcompusa.com. And I saw that come through Facebook, and I really want to be there, but down in Lexington, Nebraska, there's the annual machine gun shoot, and I've already committed to going there with Sandhill Sweetheart's brother. He's been trying for years to get me there. He drives down from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Lexington, Nebraska every year to go there, and uh, it's never worked. I've always had something going on. This year, we blocked it off on the calendar and said, I'm not going to work. We're not going to book any dances. I'm going with him, and I'm going to go check this out. Um because it's one of the few places where you can shoot uh, a 2000 yard range in this area. And uh, he brings his Barrett and it's, he can't shoot it near Sioux Falls. There's no range that he can find that'll let him shoot his Barrett. Um, and so uh, the fact that he can shoot it and shoot it out to 2000, um, I'm going to get behind the, the trigger on that. I don't care how much begging I have to do. I'm going to get behind that Barrett this year. Uh, so uh, otherwise I would try and, and, if we're not going to Texas, we just as well go to Scott's Bluff or Gearing. So I would head that way, Stephanie. But thanks for everything. Um, all right, Laura, where can everybody find you? Hi, John. Uh, well, I run my own marketing consulting firm called Silver Bullet Marketing. 
LLC. So you can find me there, silverbulletmarketingllc.com. On Instagram, I'm at Laura ESZ. Uh, and I'm on Facebook as well as Laura Evans. Um, and I just want to remind everybody, make sure you get out there and vote this year. Um, don't think your vote doesn't count. Your vote is important. And I think a lot of people just get so disgusted and fed up with who they see in, in races that they say, oh, I don't like either candidate, so I'm not going to vote at all. Get off your butt, do your civic duty, vote, put that I voted sticker on and show it to the world. Amen. All right, Laura, thank you so much for hanging out with us so late. I appreciate it. Um, all right, Allie, where can everybody find you? First, I have to find the unmute button. That's okay. Um, yeah. uh, on Facebook, a.e.how, H-O-W-E. Uh, my website is aehow.com. And I also still maintain the Guns of Hollywood uh Facebook page. And it's been a real pleasure being on here with, uh, with you, John and all the other great people. I sure, I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, all right, Tony, where can everybody find you? You're muted, pal. There, there, there you is. go. I, I can only mute from this end. I can't unmute you from this end, or I would just control that. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously my my mute button was hiding with Alex. Um, <laughs> Guns from Guns of Hollywood, fun podcast to listen to, guys. Really, it is. Um, find me on Simon Says Train on Instagram. You can also find Simon Says Train on Facebook. The second is for everyone on Facebook diversityshoot.com is where you can do everything from purchase one of our shirts to support us through any way you want to um, and just share the stuff that sometimes we have uh, we also have on um, uh, my Facebook page we just put it there the schedule for this year in Pennsylvania please come out and support if you can and we have a way to not only write your legislators regardless of where you at and it, it has a list when you put in your zip code of all of your legislators from your town council to your mayor, all the way up to the president of the United States and all their contact information. So you can go there and it also has a video on how to make your email into a uh, fax. So because real paper counts also. So that information is on diversityshoot.com. Thanks a lot for having me on. It was great seeing everyone. Um, I can't, can't wait, wait to see to you guys everybody in here in person. There's, there's one person in this panel that I've actually met face to face and that's defense dad. So, uh, speaking of which defense dad, where can everybody find you? Uh, pretty much just on, on YouTube for right now, but thanks for having me as it, it was great chat and got to, well, got some new panelists today. So it was really cool. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks for being here and uh, holding it down for me here in the great state of Nebraska, along with Stephanie. Um, Nighthawk, we're going to uh, uh, last, certainly not least. I don't know if we saved the best for last, but certainly not the least. Uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, I can be found on Instagram, Nighthawk Medic Shoots, uh, YouTube and Full30.com, Nighthawk Medic Shoots, and uh, Facebook, Nighthawk Medic Shoots. And I just want to encourage you, if you're looking to get into advocacy, you're not sure where to start, it's overwhelming or anything of that nature, come on over. We're doing hand-holding. We're doing one-on-one -on -one sessions. We're really encouraging people to get their feet wet a little in an environment where neutrality is the key. 
Um, and even if you're an old hat at, at shooting and everything else, and you're just not sure where to dip a toe in, we're a good relay station onto one of these amazing people you see in this panel that have got something massive going. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it, you saying it is a very safe space. You can go there and, and dip those toes. Um, they have, uh, as far as I know, they've got snacks, they've got blankets, um, coloring books. Um, they don't have crayons because occasionally Marines show up and you, you know, they'll eat them. So they can't have crayons, <laughs> but <laughs> oh man. And Amy dropped out. I couldn't even say that in front of her. Tony's the only one I'm picking on right now in the panel. Um, all right, we are going to go to the list and wrap everything up here. So I need to grab my list from my producer, who is handing it to me as I say that. We've got a big list this week. Holy smokes. It goes, wait a minute. Oh, it's only one page. I we're, we're, we're switching to the backside of the notebook and not wasting pages. I thought I had like a three-page list. It's a one-page list, but it's an amazing list. So those of you out there in... Um, YouTube again if you're catching this live as we wrap this up if you didn't make comments then we did not get to see that you were here uh, so I'm not going to be reading your name off um, if you are over on the the Facebook side then we could catch a few people um, and I appreciate everybody who uh, who uh, dropped comments and liked um, that as well so uh, on the Facebook side uh, as far as likes it looks like we had Olivia Tyler Open Country Firearms in Osmond, Nebraska. You need to check that place out, opencountryfirearms.com. Uh, Charles, Gary, Howard, my friend Howard's out there. Patrick, Dave, uh, we're watching or gave us a thumbs up on the, the Facebook side and comments. Um, I know we had comments from Josh, Patrick out there, and I think the rest of it was just me. Uh, dropping comments so thank you for joining us on the facebook side again if you're catching this on the replay just uh drop comments let us know what you think uh other ideas as far as ways to be an advocate or an activist we want all of the the ideas that we can get same on youtube um joining us on the youtube side we had kingpin nighthawk medic patriot in the dark defense dad iron horseman southpaw rx g23 justin gibbons blitz tim foley the poor conservative, James Allen, Pat Hirsch, Simon says train, uh, Cal. I think it's Cal. I'm going to say Cal, even though there's a space in there. SS pawn. Uh, we shoot two. New York outcast, Mr. Knives, Jefferson martial arts, Carolina EDC reviews, Jason Stewart, Mike, Emily L ghost tactical armament and axes wield and well-armed Schofield 63, seven wonders, Sergeant Joe Smith, Ozzy Osbourne, guy that comments, John Petrolino. Speaking of which, if if you're any kind of uh, good at writing and you want to be an activist, write a book. How about this one? Decoding Firearms, an easy-to-read guide on general gun safety and use by John Petrolino, who uh, was out there in the YouTube chat there towards the end. Um, you can catch that on Amazon and get the hard copy or uh, the Kindle version, and uh, you'd need to read that book. Those of you that are instructors should have a couple copies of that to hand out to newbies. And those of you that uh, that know people that are getting into guns, it's a great place um, to, uh, to just start off on that journey. Um, and then last but not least, brownies for my fat, which I tell you what, that sounds like uh, you and I should be friends. Um, all right, so on behalf of uh, Amy and Dave, on behalf of Nighthawk and Stephanie, Laura, Tony, Diana, Allie, Defense Dad, Sandhill Sweetheart, and myself, 
Thank all of you for watching. If you're still with us uh, two hours and 20 minutes into this, um, then uh, we, we sure appreciate you. All of you on the panel, I appreciate all of your time as well. Um, again, if you missed it at the beginning, I am running for board of directors for Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. So if you're a Nebraskan, uh, go join the NFOA if you have not. And uh, if you are a member of NFOA, I would appreciate your vote when that time comes. Um, but uh, but go check that out as well. Um, there are 17 people trying to fill six spots. And I know that there are people better equipped than me uh, probably that are running, but I'm still going to have my hat in the ring. So uh, again, thank all of you for... Uh, for watching us uh make sure you hit that thumbs up button on youtube and facebook make sure you hit that share button on youtube and facebook make sure that uh you are subscribing to youtube or liking us on facebook um and then go check out all of our great people who are in our panel tonight as well um and uh just there's ways that you can do something you don't have to spend money uh you don't have to take a lot of time just get out there and do something. Uh, but you you got to do it somewhere else because right now it's time for all of you to get off my lawn. <laughs>